Shalom to all. Today's office is Staff Nun Beis. We are starting Nun Alpha Nun Beis, the second to last line at the two dots. And today's office sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars, Miriam, Sarah, Basib, Yaakov, Misha, Her Nisham, Shadav, and Aliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Rabbi Yosef, Yantif, Benar, Usher, Anshul, His Nisham, Shadav, and Aliyah. And the Mishad said, We continue talking about the Tanaik Suba that a man must redeem his wife if she's captured. Now, the Lashon of the Suba is different if he's Yisrael or a Kayin. If he's Yisrael, he writes, I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to return you to me as my wife. If he's a Kayin, though, he writes, I'm going to send you back home. That's because the wife of Akain is ushered to him if she's captured, because we assume she was violated, and the wife of Akain is ushered to him even though she was Nenas. So the Gemara tells us, Amr Abai Abai says, Amon Akain Gadol, and Amon Amar Akain Gadol, they weren't allowed to get married, but they got married anyway. Chayav Lifdaisa, he has to redeem her if she's captured. Why is that Shani Kairba? Because I could read for her, meaning I could still apply the following for her. As the Mishnah said, Uva Kaihenes, if she's a Kaihenes, meaning she's married to Akain, Adrinach Lamdinasech, he could still return her to her Medina, even though they weren't allowed to get married and they're not allowed to stay married, but since the wife of Akain anyway is not coming back him after she's redeemed, she gets sent back home. So too, in this case, Amon al Gadol, he would have to redeem her and send her back home. However, Nun Bez Amon al-Fan Tap, Mamzeres or Nesina Israel. If Mamzeres or Nesina are married to Israel, ain't a chayv of Daisa. He's not chayv to redeem her if she gets captured. She ain't any karibah by Svina Khalila into because I can't apply the Tanaik Suba of I'm going to bring you back to be my wife. In the case of Israel, when he redeems his wife, she comes back to him, but Mamzeres and Nesina are not allowed to come back to him. So therefore, he doesn't have to redeem her. Now, Rav Amr, he argues with the Bayan, he says, Kolsha Isra Shivya Garimla, if the fact that she was captured now answers her to her husband, Chayav Lifdaisa, he has to redeem her, such as in the case of the wife of a Kain. However, Isra Dabarachar Garimla, if there was some sort of other Isra that answers her to her husband, for example, in Almanul Kain Gadol, in Chayav Lifdaisa, he does not have to redeem her. So Rafa says, in Almanul Kain Gadol, he does not have to redeem his wife. The Gemara suggests, let's say they're arguing in a Machlekas Tanaim. We have a brass that says, Hamadras Ishtai, a person was madder his wife, he told his wife, You are not allowed to have any Hanav from me. Now, in such a case, he has to divorce her and give her a Ksuba. Now, what also happened? Vinishbis, she was also captured. So Belezer, I remember says, he has to redeem her and give her a ksuba. Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Shua says, he gives her a ksuba, but he does not have to redeem her. Now, Amr Abnasan, he tells us, I asked Somches, I tried to understand what Rabbi Shua's opinion was. Rabbi Shua, and Rabbi Shua said, that he's allowed to give her a ksuba and he doesn't have to redeem her. Is that talking about a scenario that he was first mad to her, that she's not allowed to have any enough from him, and then she was captured? Or is it also relevant in a situation where she was captured, then he made a nether on her that she's not allowed to have any benefit? Benefit from him, so he could just give her a ksuba, and she has to go figure out her own redemption. Ma'amrali and Sumchas told me, Shamati, I never heard about anything. I was never explained this before. However, Vinir and Dvarim, it seems logical to say Shadiru Lubasayf Nishbes. They were talking about a situation where he first was mad to her that she's not out of from him, and then she was captured. The Amr Nishbes Lubasayf Adira. If you want to say that this applies even when she was captured, and then he made an edder on her, he doesn't have to redeem her. He could just give her a ksuba and make her figure out her own situation. Then Asirli Rume, he might pull a trick. She might be captured, and he might tell himself, you know, it's too much to redeem my wife. I'm just going to make a nether on her. Now she's going to be ushered to me. I'm going to have to divorce her and give her a ksuba, but she'll figure out her own redemption. So Sumchas told Rav Nasan, it's more logical to say that Rabbi Shua was only talking about a scenario where first he made the nether on her and then she was captured. So here we have Machlekes Rabbi and Rabbi Shua. Isn't it talking about a situation where a kain was madder his wife? Abai holds like Rabbi Lezer and Rav holds like Rabbi Shua. How is Rabbi Lezer in tandem with Abai? Rabbi Lezer says that even though they're not allowed to remain married because he was madder his wife, he still has to redeem her. And that's exactly what Abai said in the case of the Kayin Gadol who was married to the Almana. So the Gemara says, Loi, Abai and Rav are not necessarily arguing the same Achlekes Tanaim over here. Hachamai Skinun, what are we talking about over here? Kigan Shinadra Ihi. She was the one that made the nether, Vikaim Lahu, and he was Makaimit for her, meaning he upheld her nether. Rabbi Ezra Savar, Rabbi Ezra holds, Hu Nasan Esma Ben Shinel. He's the one that stuck his finger in her teeth when you put your finger in someone else's mouth and they chomp down. Whose fault is it? It's your fault that your finger got bitten. So it's a husband's fault that he was Makaim her nether, so therefore he asked Redeemer. Rabbi Shua Savar, Rabbi Shua holds, He Nasan Esma Ben Shinel. She was the one that put her 
her own finger in her own mouth. She made the nether. It's her fault. So therefore, he's able to say, you go figure it out on your own. I'm not redeeming you. The Gemara says, hold on one second. If she's the one that put her finger in her own mouth, meaning it's her own fault, so what are we talking about Aksuba over here for? She shouldn't deserve her Aksuba. Vasu also, let's analyze the Brisa. Amr Ab Nasan, Rab Nasan had said, Rabbi Shua had said, that he gives her Aksuba and he doesn't have to redeem her. He had asked, was this talking about where there was first a nether and then she was captured, or she was first captured and then a nether? But Amr Allah Shamati and Sumchas said, I don't know, I didn't hear about it. Now, if we're talking about that she made the nether, what does it make a difference if the nether came before she was captured or came after she was captured? If she's the one that made the nether, it has no relevance when it was made. So we can't be talking about a case where she made the nether. So Gemara says, you're right, we're really talking about where he made the nether on her. Both Abai and Rava could explain this Brisa, that the entire Brisa is going like them. Abai explains like him, if Alman is married to the Kain Gadol and she gets captured, everyone agrees that he would have to redeem her. Why is that? Because once he redeems her, he sends her back home anyway, like a regular Kain mayor to a regular woman. If it's a Mamzer Sonusin mayor to the Yisrael, everyone agrees he does not have to redeem her because he cannot bring her back home. If it's the case of a wife of a Kain and he was Madre her, no one argues the Chayv of Daisa, everyone says he has to redeem her. That's the same case of Amman Kain Gadol. So keep Pligi, what's a whole machlek as Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Yeshua? But Madre Eshes Yisrael, when a Yisrael was Madre his wife. Rebbe Lezer Azal Basar Meikar, Rebbe Lezer goes Basar the beginning. What does it mean Basar the beginning? Since when the Tanai Ksuba was written, that's the beginning, he did have the ability to take her back if she was captured. Even though now she has his nether, which prevents him from doing so, we still go Basar the beginning, Meikara, and he has to redeem her. Whereas Rebbe Yeshua Azal Basar Basar, Rebbe Yeshua goes Basar the end. Right now she has a nether on her, he's not able to bring her back, so he doesn't have to redeem her. Now Rava Matar Sotame, Rava could explain this Brai so like him. When we're dealing with an Almana to a Kain Gadol or a Mamzer Sunusina to Yisrael, everyone agrees that he does not have to redeem her. That's because they're not allowed to be married. When he was Madir, his wife, whether he's a Kain and he was Madir's wife or he's Yisrael and he was Madir's wife. Rebbe Yezra still goes Basar Meikara and therefore he has to redeem her. Rebbe Yeshua Azal Basar Besaif. Rebbe Yeshua goes Basar the Saif and therefore he doesn't have to redeem her. And the Mishnah said, If she was captured, he has to redeem her. The Gemara tells us, turn around, we have a brisa. Let's say she was captured when her husband was alive, and then her husband died. So, if her husband knew that she was captured, so now he has a chiv to redeem her, the Yarshim have to redeem her because the Yarshim take over the father's chiv. If her husband didn't know about it, the Yarshim don't have to redeem her. Now, the Gemara tells us, Levi wanted to paskin like this brisa, but Rav, Rav told him, Chavivi means my beloved. It's referring to Rav's uncle, Rav this is what my uncle Rebchia said. Less halchasaki hamasnisa, and the halacha is not like this brisa. Elokihatetanya is like the following brisa. Nishbes laachar misus baila. If she's captured after her husband dies, ain't haysayim chayim daisa. The yisayim do not have to redeem her. Vloyoid. Not only that, elafilo nishbes b'chay baila. Even if she was captured when her husband was alive, vachachmez baila. But then her husband died, ain't haysayim chayiv lavdaisa. The yisayim don't have to redeem her. Sheinah nikarabava isvinuchle into because we can't apply what it says in the ksuba, and I'll bring you back to me as my wife. He's dead, so we can't bring her back to him as his wife. So therefore, this tanak ksuba isn't relevant. The Yarshim don't have to redeem her. And Tanar Banabrasa tells us, Nishbis, she was captured. And they're asking up until 10 times her worth. She could be sold for $500 on the slave market, and they're asking for 10 times that. The first time he has to redeem her. Because he has a chiv, he has tonight, Suba, he has to redeem her. But from then on, if she's captured again, if he wants, we could redeem her. But if he doesn't want to, he does not have to redeem her. However, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, We do not redeem captives more than they're worth. 
because of taking oilam. What does that mean, Bnei Tekin oilam? If pirates and human traffickers know that we're going to pay crazy amounts of money to redeem our captives, then they're going to work extra hard to try to capture Jews, and that's not a way that we're going to be able to live normally. But now we make a deacon of Shimon Gamaliel's opinion. If they're selling this woman for her fair market value, so then we do have to redeem her. That implies even though her redemption money is more than her ksuba's worth. Her ksuba's worth 200 and they want 500 for her, we would have to pay that 500 because that's her fair market value. That's what it seems to be what Shimon Gamaliel is saying. But now the Gemara says, Remini, last you steer from a brisa. The brisa tells us, Nishbis, if she's captured, and they're asking for her ransom up until 10 times the amount of her ksuba. Her ksuba is 200, they're asking for 2,000. So, the first time we would have to redeem her. From then on, if the husband wants to redeem her, if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. He says, if the amount of money they want for her ransom is proportionate to her ksuba, they're asking for 200 and her ksuba is 200, so then he would have to redeem her. If not, if they're asking for more than her ksuba, he doesn't have to redeem her. If the ransom is more than her ksuba, he doesn't have to redeem her because the whole reason he has to redeem her is tanai ksuba, and it can't be that he must pay more for the tanai ksuba than the ksuba itself is worth, so it seems to be that we have a steer and Divir Reb Shimon Gamliel, because over here it says that he's not allowed to pay more than the ksuba's worth, whereas previously it seemed to be that Reb Shimon Gamliel would allow us to pay more than the ksuba's worth, just not more than her value is. So the more answers from Shimon Gamliel, Trey Kuli Islay, he has two kulas. First of all, we're not allowed to redeem her for more than her value, and we're also not allowed to redeem her for more than her ksuba's worth. And the Mishnah said, Luxa if she got sick, so her husband has to heal her. He has to pay for her medicine. And Tanarabon, we have a Braisa, Almana Nizanis Menechse Yisaimim, and Almana, she gets fed from the Nechasim of the Yisaimim, meaning they have to take out from the Yerusha to feed her, and if she needs her Fuah, if she has to go to the hospital, if she has to get some sort of medicine, Harahikim Zainas, that's just like Mizainas, meaning they have to take that money out of their pocket, out of the Yerusha. Now, Rashim Gamliel, I mean, he tells us a little bit differently. If this is a Fuah that has a set amount, the doctor's bill is X amount of money, this medicine costs X amount of money, she's only going to be in the hospital for five days. So that's a set amount. That actually comes out of her Ksuba, that does not come out of the Yusamim's pocket. However, if it's something that doesn't have a set amount, if she has a chronic illness, we have no idea what's wrong with her and she's just in the hospital for days at end. Every day she's at the doctor for something else. So Harehi Kimzainis, that's just like Mizainis, and that comes out of the Yisimim's pocket. And Amr Yechon and Yechon said, also Hakazaz Dam Eretz Yisrael Kirufua She'en Lakitzva. Chazal determined that Hakazaz Dam in Eretz Yisrael, bloodletting in Eretz Yisrael, is like Rufua She'en Lakitzva. This is a normal thing. People used to go for bloodletting all the time. It's considered like it doesn't have a set amount because they would go all the time, perhaps every day, maybe every other day or something like that. But it wasn't something that you did pam be every once in a while, and therefore it has to come out of the Yisimim's pocket. And now we have a story. The relatives of they had the wife of their father, meaning they had their stepmother, that she needed Rafua every single day she was going to the doctor. And that means that the money is coming out of their pocket, not out of her ksuba. Also, they went to Rabbi Yechanan to advise with him what are they supposed to do. So Amalhu, he told him, Why don't you go to the doctor and set a particular amount with him? She's going to the doctor every single day. Tell the doctor, We're going to give you X amount of money. Now that's considered a set amount. That's considered like something that's a yeshla kitzba and then it comes out of her ksuba, not out of their pocket. Now then, after Rabbi Yechanan said that, Rabbi Yechanan, he then said, We just made ourselves like Archadayanim. The Mishnah Pergeavis tells us, you should not make yourself like Archadayanim. Archadayanim is like a lawyer. You should not be going to court to represent your friend to help them out in their dintaira. In other words, Rabbi Yechanan regretted giving his relatives this advice. Originally, when he gave them this advice, what was he thinking? And afterwards, when he regretted it, what was he thinking? So we answer, Originally, he was thinking, the Pasuk tells us, don't be malam ayin. Don't turn a blind eye from your flesh, meaning from your relatives. His relatives needed help, so he wanted to help them. At the end, he held that a person who's chashiv, a person who's important, is different, and since he was an important person, he shouldn't have done this and he shouldn't have helped them. And this mission continues talking about Tanai Ksuba. 
all, let's say he did not write the following for her. The male children that you have for me, they will inherit the money of your ksuba, more than the chilek that they're going to get with their brothers. Even if he did not write this in the ksuba, if he's still chayv in such a thing, because this is tenai beznin. Now this is very important. This is called ksubas benin dechrin, the ksuba of male children. And let's try to get it very clear because the Gemara is going to be focusing on this. A man gets married. His father-in-law provides him with a dowry, which is written in the ksuba, which in the event of his wife's death becomes his completely. If he dies after his wife dies, then all that his wife brought into the marriage already had become part of his estate and is divided up as a regular part of the Yerusha. Now let's say this fellow, whom we'll call Ruvain, has two wives, Rachel and Bacheva. Each of them have their own ksuba. His wives die before he does, and then he dies. So technically the same thing should be true. Whatever they brought into the marriage is already considered part of the state, and now it's going to be split equally between all the children. So here's where Ksuba's Benin Dechran comes in. Rachel's father is not going to want to be generous with his dowry because he knows that there's a big possibility that his daughter is going to die first. Then his property is going to be split up and also inherited by Ruvain's children that he had with Bacheva. And he doesn't want his property going to the other family. So in order to encourage the father to be generous, the Tanai of Ksuba's Benin Dechran says that the Ksuba of each wife is inherited by her children once the husband dies. This way, the property was given to her as dowry remains with her family. So the Yerusha is split equally, whereas the Ksuba of each wife is taken by her male children. The Mishnah continues with more Tanai Ksubas. Let's say he did not write for her, your female children that you have from me, they're going to stay in my house, and they're going to get fed from my property until they're taken by males, meaning the girls are going to be allowed to stay at home and be fed from the Yerusha until they get married. Even if he did not write this, he's still Chayv in it, because it's Tanai Beznin. Another example, let's say he did not write, you, my Almana, are going to be in my house, you're going to get fed from my estate, all the days that you live as an Almana in my house, he's still Chayv in that, this is what the people of Yushalayim used to write, the people of Galil, they learned from the people of Yushalayim and they would write the same thing, however, the people of Yehuda used to write, you're allowed to eat food in the house, meaning you're going to be fed by the state until the Yarshim give you your ksuba. Therefore, if the Yarshim want, so they could give her a ksuba, and they could pot to her, meaning they're not going to have to take money out of the state to feed her because they could pay her a ksuba. I think what it tells us, why is it that they were attacking this concept of ksuba? We already explained it. The Gemara now tells us so that a person should jump and he should give over properties to his daughter just like his sons, meaning we want him to be generous with his daughter. The Gemara asks, hold one second. Is there such a situation where the Torah says that sons inherit and daughters don't inherit? come along and they're attacking that the daughter inherits? What does it mean that the son inherits and not a daughter? As we said, the father of this girl is giving her property, and then when she dies, it goes to her husband. So technically, when her husband dies, his sons from all of his marriages should inherit this property. But now it seems to be that this father who's giving his daughter property is enabling his daughter to inherit it, and we know that Tyra says the daughters don't inherit. So how's it be that the Chum can circumvent the Dairaisa? So Gemara says, Hanami Dairaisa, this is also Dairaisa. The Chesif says in the Pasuk, Kechu Nashim Vahilidu Banu Banais, marry yourself a wife and give birth to sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters over to men. So We understand he's able to give his son over to a wife. Usually a man looks for a wife, so the father could look for a wife for his son. But what about his daughters? Is it really up to him whether or not he's able to find a husband for her? It's really up to the man to find his daughter. So it must be what the Pasuk is telling us is we should give her clothing, we should give her things, we should give her property, so people should jump on her, people come and marry her. And that is the Now the Gemara is for Ad Kama, up until how much should a dowry be? Both of them say, 
Nechsei up until a tenth of everything that he has. But now we're going to ask a series of questions specifically on Ksubas Ben Edechwin. Ve'ema, why don't we say Da'av Liroiz, Da'ba Loi Liroiz, that she should yarsh that which they came from her father but not from her husband? Meaning if the main reason for Ksubas Ben Edechwin is that the father of the girl is generous with a dowry, so why would her children inherit her entire Ksuba, including the 200, which is the base Ksuba payment? They should only inherit the dowry from her father and nothing else. The Gemara says, Imkain, if that's really going to be the case, Avnami Mimnavlai Kosov, then her father's going to withhold and he's not going to write for her generous dowry either because her father sees that the husband is being stingy and not allowing his daughter's kids to yarsh an entire ksuba, only the dowry, so he too is going to limit the amount that he gives. The Gemara was asking, why don't we say, then in a scenario where the father wrote over a dowry to his daughter, that the husband also should write over that she gets to get the ksuba after he dies. But if the father didn't give a dowry, so maybe the husband shouldn't write for her in the ksuba that she gets the 200 after he dies. The Gemara says, it's a loy plug. Loy plug means we set a halacha, we establish something, and that applies for all scenarios, even though it might not fit the specifics. In a standard case, a father will give a dowry over to his daughter. So the halacha applies even if we happen to have a situation where the father didn't give his daughter a dowry. The Gemara continues asking, if the whole point is that the father wants to give this over to his daughter, so that his grandchildren, meaning the children of his daughter, are going to be able to inherit that which he gave to her, so then if his daughter only had daughters and not sons, she should be able to get this ksuvus and we know that daughters do not take a ksubas ben It's called ksubas ben a ksuba of the male children, not the female children. But why don't the females get? The answer is, that's because the Rabbanon treated it as a nachla. And we know that only boys get a nachla, not girls. The Gemara is asking, so fine, if there's only daughters from all the marriages, so the daughters of this particular woman should get their mother's ksuba, because midin Yerusha, they are Yarshim if there's no sons. So the Gemara answers, once again, light plug Rabbanon, it's a light plug. The Gemara is asking, so then they should be gaiver from a tautalin. Part of the dowry was also metaltalin, so ksubas ben should also include metaltalin and not only karka, if we're saying it's like regular Yerusha. So the Gemara answers, ksubas shaviyorabanon. The Rabbanon still treat it like suba, and ksuba is only paid out from land and not from metaltalin. We continue asking, so fine, so tejai from mishabdi, they should be able to collect properties that are mishubed, meaning that were sold, because that's considered part of the ksuba. If you're saying that it's like a ksuba, then they should be able to collect properties that are mishubed. So the Gemara answers, yartun tanan. The lashon is that they inherit, meaning it's a Yerusha, and Yerusha we don't take away from mishubadim. So the he was asking, if you're going to tell me it's a Yerusha, they should still be able to collect the Ksubas Menendechrin even if there's no Meiser Dinar. What does that mean, Meiser Dinar? Later on, the Gemara says that Ksubas Menendechrin is only collected if after all the collections, there's going to be at least a Dinar's worth of property left over for everyone to split equally. So the Gemara answers, If it's going to be a scenario where we're going to uproot the Iraisa Nachla, that every family is going to get their own Ksubas Menendechrin, if there isn't going to be actual real Nachla here to be split up, so then we're not going to have Ksubas and now we're going to end up with a story. Rav Papa Yasek Lelebrei Be Abasura. Rav Papa, he made a shidduch with his son with the house of Abasura. Abasura happened to have been Rav Papa's father-in-law and Rav Papa had a son from a different marriage that he was marrying off to his sister-in-law. So Azal Mechlev Laksubasa, Rav Papa went to his father-in-law's house, Abba's house, in order to be able to write the ksuba and Shama Yehuda Bar-Meremar. Yehuda Bar-Meremar heard this. He went out and he met Rav Papa along the way and they were walking along the way, schmoozing and learning and Kimatul Pesach when they got to the entrance of Abasura's house, so Yehuda Bar-Meremar was going to leave Rav Papa. So Amrlai Rav Papa told him, Neelmar Bahadai, why don't you come in with me? Nun Gimelam and Alpha on the top, the Gemara says, Chazidulai Havanichale, Rav Papa saw that he didn't want to come in with him. Amrlai Rav Papa asked him, My Daitech, why don't you want to come in, Yehuda? Mishum to Amrlai Shmuel Rav Yehuda, because Shmuel told Rav Yehuda, Shenin a sharp one, Loite Havibavurach Santa, you should not be witness to, you should not be present at a time when they're transferring over stuff from Yarshim. Afilim Abra Bishal Abra Tava, even if they're giving it from a bad brother to a good brother, the reason why they should not be taking away the Yerusha from the bad brother is because we don't know what type of children he's going to have. He might have
have good children, so why would you take the Yerusha away from him? His good children are going to be able to put it to good use. And Mechalsha can be brother for sure you should not be present when they're taking Yerusha away from a son and giving it to a daughter. And it might seem to you, Yehuda, that Aksubasman and Dichrin is like taking away Yerusha from the one that rightfully owns it, and that's why you don't want to be present for the writing of the Ksuba? That's not a reason not to come in. This is also there's this concept of Ksubas and Dichrin. So there's nothing wrong with writing Ksubas and Dichrin. So Amrlei Yehuda Bar told her Papa, that's only if the father wants to write it. But do we force the father to give over generously for Ksubas and Dichrin? We don't force him. So Amrlei her Papa told him, that I say that you should come inside the house and you should force Abba Sura to give over generously? I was telling you, come inside, but we're not going to force him to give anything. Whatever he wants to give, he can give. So Amrlei Yehuda Bar continued telling her Papa, just by the mere fact of me coming inside the house, that's going to force him to give. Because I'm in the house, he's going to try to be mechabed me, and therefore he's going to give very generously. But if I'm not there, he wouldn't have given as generously, so in some way that's forcing him to give more than he wants to. But either way, Rapapa forced him, and he came inside, he sat, he was quiet, he didn't say anything. Meaning Yehudabam Reimer was just watching what was going on, and he didn't say anything. So Savar, Abba Surah thought to himself, that Yehudabam Reimer is upset that he's not giving enough for the Ksubas Ben Indichrin. So so in the Ksuvas Ben Indichrin, Abba Surah wrote over everything that he owned, he put it in the Ksuvas Ben Indichrin. And still, Yehudah Bamreimer is quiet. He didn't give any indication that he's happy with what happened. L'saif, afterwards, Amrleh, he told him, meaning Abba Surah asked Yehudah Bamreimer, you're still not saying anything at all? You're still quiet? Chayadimar, by the life of Master, by the life of you, Yehudah Bamreimer, I didn't leave anything for myself. I wrote everything in the Ksuvas Ben Indichrin. Why are you upset at me? Why are you not saying anything? So Amrleh, Yehudah Bamreimer told Abba, if you would have asked me, even the original amount that you wrote for her, I wouldn't have been happy with. I would have suggested for you to give her even less. But since you never asked me, I was just sitting and being quiet. I didn't want to say anything. So Amrlai Abba told him, So should I be chayzer? Should I retract everything that I already wrote in the ksuba? So Amrlai Yehuda told him, To turn yourself into a retractor, as we call it an Indian giver, where you give something and you take it back, that I never said. I never said you should go back on your word and take back everything you said you would give to her. I'm just saying that if you would have asked me previously, I wouldn't have said that you should give so much. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up tomorrow, continuing to talk about tonight's Suba. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.